Good morning, Landmark Church. How are you doing today? Come on, let's try that again. Good morning, Landmark Church. How are you doing today? I want to stay away from that thing. It's popping. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I got to sit by you today. Look at your other neighbor and say, sorry, I didn't say that to you first. Amen. So good to see you today on this Labor Day weekend. We have a lot of people traveling just kind of this time of year, getting the last trips in. How many of you ready for some cooler weather? Anybody else? Yeah, ready. They say we're going to have a cold winter. I'm kind of looking forward. I'm looking forward to it till it happens, and then I'll be like, bring back the heat very quickly when the snow starts. But amen. Just give you a quick Labor Day joke, um, you know, something to get you started on this Labor Day. There was a robber that pulled out a gun to a man and said, give me all your money. And, and the guy said, excuse me, I work for the government. And the guy said, well, in that case, give me all my money. <laughs> Amen. Would you stand up this morning? Got your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 54. I want to talk to you this morning from this subject, more than you can imagine. More than you can imagine. We are in a series called Breakout, and really the, the, the idea behind this was... Um, the beginning of it was last week's message, and if you have a chance, if you didn't get to watch it, go. you can go back on YouTube and see that or on our Facebook page, but last week we talked about uh, the demoniac and how God restored his life, and then God restored his family, and God restored a community, and we believe that God is in the restoration business, that God can restore lives and restore families and communities, and we believe in that, so um, this morning I want to continue that kind of the idea of restoration and I want to talk to you out of Isaiah 54, and we're going to look at several verses. Uh, let's begin with verse 1. If you have it and you're ready, say amen. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen the cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore skip down to verse 16 if you will behold i have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire who brings forth an instrument for his work and i have created the spoiler to destroy but no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the lord and their righteousness is from me says the Lord. Amen. How many of you believe the Bible today? Do you really believe the Bible? I believe this is the Word of God. And because it's the Word of God, I put my faith and my hope in God. But you know what? I stand on His Word. If He said it, it will come to pass. I believe it that much. That the Bible says His Word is forever settled in heaven. So no matter what's going on around me, His Word's already settled. I don't know about you, I want to put my hope in something that's already settled. Because we live in a world that is being shaken. We live in a world that is going crazy, it seems like. And everything around us is unsettled. But we can put our hope in a God that does not change. And in His Word that is forever settled in heaven. You should say amen, because that is some good news right there. Amen? 
So if you got your Bible, hold it up. If not, just repeat this after me. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am about to be taught the indescribable, incorruptible, mountain-moving, devil-chasing, chain-breaking Word of God. In Jesus' name, I will never, I will never, I will never, ever, ever, ever be the same. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you today as we come into your presence. That in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Father, today we just come to enjoy your presence. Enjoy worshiping together. I'm thankful that we can laugh with you, God. Because you're a God who laughs with us. You cry with us. You go through every season with us. But Father, today we just want to be joyful in the midst of difficulties in the midst of a world of fighting and turmoil father i believe you're calling forth your people to be full of joy today so father help us to understand what it means to live by your principles to live as people of god and father help us to leave here knowing that you can do so much more than we even give you credit for in jesus name we pray and by the power of the holy ghost we ask these things and all of god's people together said amen, amen. turn around look at somebody and say you're not nearly as bad as your in-laws thinking you may be seated this morning amen I like to say that around uh, holidays because some of y'all got to go see your in-laws tomorrow. So just want to give you a word of encouragement. Amen. Have you ever felt like you were at a place, a time in your life where spiritually things were just kind of dry? You were at a place where you read the Bible and maybe the words don't just jump off the page like they once did there are times that we pray and we feel like every prayer is answered man those are the good times i mean we feel like everything we're saying that the heavens just listening and everything is happening but then we go through times in our life where it seems like as one man said the heavens are brass and our prayers go up and they bounce back down it just seems like it is a time of dryness and another word for that is barrenness because you see in John chapter 15 Jesus said this about us his disciples he said if you abide in me and my words abide in you then you're going to do something you are going to bear fruit that you are called to bear fruit that our life is meant to bear fruit and that fruit remains so in other words we're called to live the kind of life that looks like Jesus and acts like Jesus and the fruit of Christ is in our life but there are times if we're honest we're going about life and we're not bearing the fruit that we once bore and we don't understand all this and it can seem like barrenness and in those moments you can ask God and say God where are you at right now I don't understand everything that's going on so to understand Isaiah 54 I need to give you a little bit of context for you to understand where I'm going just stick with me I'm going I feel like I got some good stuff for you but stick with me through this in Isaiah 54 the Israelites are in exile they're in Babylon and they feel like they're in a barren place they're not in their homeland their life is not doing what it wants what they want it to do they're not in the place they want to be and they're in a place of brokenness maybe today you walked in these doors and if you're honest today you would never say this out loud but maybe you feel like you're in a place of brokenness you feel like you're in a difficult spot in life right now and the Israelites were in that kind of place they were in exile but God comes to them in Isaiah 54 and he speaks through the prophet Isaiah and he says something to them he said, sing, O barren. 
sing. You who feel barren. You who feel like nothing is happening. You're, 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 you're disgusted by life. You're looking around and you're thinking, it's, life is not fair. A woman in barrenness looks around and she sees all of her friends popping out babies all the time. And then she can't have a child. And in her barrenness, she says, Lord, where are you at? What is going on? And God says, sing, O barren. Break forth into singing. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would I sing? Now, there, there are songs that are sad. I get that. There are songs that, you know, country music, if you, um, back, when I was a kid, we had backmasking. If you, supposedly some songs, rock songs, if you played them backwards, they said devil and all that kind of stuff. I, I never saw it, but anyway, that's what I was told. But if you backmask a country song, the person gets their dog back and their wife back and their house back and all those kind of things. You, uh, you understand that there are difficulties and, and there are songs that portray that, but this is not that kind of song. The words, the, the, when it says break forth into singing, the word there literally means break forth into joy. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, praise the Lord, I'm barren. Nothing's happening, hallelujah. I'm so glad things are tough right now. We don't think like that. But what God is saying is this, sing, O barren, because I am not done. In the natural, it looks one way, but I am not a natural God. I am a supernatural God, and I am doing something in you that you can't see right now, and you're about to break out of this place and not just leave the exile. What he was saying is, I am going to do something in you that is so powerful that you can't even imagine it right now, and you are going to have more kids than you can imagine there's going to be fruit in your life but guess what until that happens you've got to sing listen to me worship is not about doing it whenever God answers our prayer worship is a lifestyle that even when the answer has not come I still lift up holy hands and I praise his name I still clap I still shout why because worship is an overflow of who God is not just when I get the answers that I want amen that I am called to worship even in the middle of difficult times. And here Isaiah says, sing, O barren. You haven't born any children yet, but go ahead and sing. Act like I've already done it. Because here, that's what faith is. We just sang about faith. We talked about not walking by, by sight, but by faith. Or not well, yeah, walking by faith, not by sight. What happens? When I'm walking by faith, it's Lord, even when I don't sense it, I'm still going to praise you. Even on the darkest day of my life, I'm still going to worship you. Even when things are tough, I am still going to praise you. I am going to sing in the middle of barrenness because I know I serve a God who can produce things in my life that I can't see right now. So in the midst of barrenness, in the midst of desolation, in the midst of things that aren't easy, in the midst of a world that is driving me crazy because everybody hates each other and everybody's fighting all the time, in the midst of all the craziness around us, I come in here and and I get in my car and put on music and I get in my office sometimes I get at home wherever you're at is what I'm trying to say and I begin to focus on who God is and I realize he has not changed he is the same yesterday today and forever and he's still worthy of my praise even before the answer comes amen and then he says this enlarge your territory open now you have to understand this is a nomadic people they lived in tents so he literally uses that language. Enlarge your territory. Lengthen the lines. Strengthen the stakes. In other words, 
I am going to do something so big in, in your life that where you're living right now, you can't handle it, okay? In the natural, what he was telling them is this. Really, what he was prophesying was this is about Christ. And he's saying, right now, you see yourself in exile, but Messiah is coming. And when Messiah comes, he's going to change everything. And not only is he going to save you, but he's going to save the Gentiles. And guess what? The house of God isn't big enough for all the people that are going to come to know him. I'm so glad I'm a Gentile, but I'm part of the family of God, that God accepted me, that God said, yes, you are outside of that, but you have now been grafted in, and I'm so glad I'm under the tent of God. Amen? But even in our own life, here's what I want you to see. So many times we limit God. I, I, there's some people that have been moving here recently, and I, I hate moving. I hate it. I hate having to do that. And, and, and you can get comfortable at home. Do you ever go through your stuff and think, how in the world did we accumulate this much stuff in just a few years of time? I'm good at buying stuff. I'm not good at getting rid of stuff. You understand? I got those shirts in my closet that when Fat Justin loses some weight, he's going he to wear that shirt again. This boy, that's going to fit this boy. That's going to look good on him. But until skinny Justin emerges, we're just going to keep it in the closet. We all have those kind of things in our life, places like that, that we do that. But here's, here's the thing. We get comfortable in a spot. I don't want to move. I'm comfortable here. And we can get comfortable where we're at with God. But here's the thing. In 1953, a guy named J.B. Phillips wrote a small book that I love. Um, I read when I was a kid. It rocked my world. And here's the title of the book, Your God is Too Small. Your God is too small. And I believe the truth is God wants to do things that we can't imagine. But many times he's waiting on us. He says, you know what? I want to do something so big that right now you can't even handle it. But I don't have space to do it. And he says, I want you to let the tent walls out. I want you to lengthen the lines. I want you to strengthen the stakes. Because I am going to do something in your time that you can't even imagine. But you've got to prepare for it. You've got to be ready for it. There was a time we were in a different location in this church we were downtown for sale for 89 years I'm the founding pastor I look really good for my age I'm just kidding um, I've only been here 12 years but th but th that church was down there and we only had 15 parking spots and I mean people I remember we'd have big Sundays and one Sunday it was pouring down rain I think it was Easter maybe and people were parking up and down the road walking in soaking wet we had no place to handle what God wanted to do and then this place opened up and all of a sudden and then we went to two services and all these things begin to happen I'm not trying to brag on numbers my point is this if you don't prepare for what God wants to do I believe even for a church God wants to bring revival to our world to our country to our community and we've got to be prepared for it I believe the harvest of souls that God wants to bring in we've got to be prepared for that but on a natural level in your own life in a personal life I mean on a personal level I believe God is saying to you there are dreams in your heart things you wanted to see happen and God is saying this, enlarge your thinking, quit thinking small, quit limiting God, quit thinking God can only do this, because God can make a way where there seems to be no way, he can break out in ways you can't even imagine, but you've got to enlarge your thinking, you've got to enlarge your territory, and you've got to say, okay God, I'm going to make room for you to be you, I'm going to stop trying to limit you, and say you've got to do it this way. What I love about God is God says, when you try to limit me, I'm going to do it a different way just to prove to you I'm God and you're not. And if we try to put him in this certain area, 
God tells Israel, lengthen the line, strengthen the stake. Listen, this scripture has been food for my soul and my ministry over the years. I've looked to this many times because as a natural person, I can think small when it comes to the things of God. I love to have faith for things I know are going to happen, okay? I love to have faith that I know certain things going to happen today. Oh, yeah, let's have faith for that. Let's believe for that. I mean, it's kind of easy, you know. It's easy when the doctor says, you're probably okay. And well, I have faith God's going to touch me. I'm probably okay. But what happens when the doctor gives you other news that things aren't okay? Do you still have faith? It, it, it's one thing when you see your finances and you know, hey, listen, I, I'm not doing the best right now, but I'm getting paid in a couple of days. I'll be good. I can, I can have faith that I can, I, can, I can squeeze this last little bit. I can eat some egg sandwiches or whatever I need to do to squeeze a little bit until the end. I cannot go to dealers to their good sale. They got a good one on, by the way. Labor Day sale bought some stuff yesterday. It's really good. But if your bank account is tight, do not go there. You understand me? But what, what is faith when I say, okay, Lord, right now I don't see how you're going to meet these needs. I pay my tithe, I do, I'm faithful, I'm generous, but I don't see how it's going to happen. I have to have faith. And all of a sudden, it, it changes the way we live and the way we think. And what God says is that I can do something that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man what God has in store for those that love him. God's saying, I've got a bigger plan. You think you have a good plan for your life? i got good news for you. God's got a better one than even you've got for your own life. You think you have a good life for your family, a good plan for your family, and God says, you know what, man, you ain't got, your mind can't even imagine the life I've got planned for you. But we've got to enlarge our territory. We've got to get to that place that God is going to do things more than we can think, and until it happens, we continue to worship him. We sing in barrenness, and then we do our part by lengthening the lines and strengthening the stakes and then preparing, and then he goes on to say this, for you will forget the shame of your He's speaking to Israel. The reason Israel is in captivity, the problem with Israel, over and over and over, because God had called out these people to be his holy people, but the problem is they kept messing around with idols and they kept sinning and they kept going back to the wrong people to be around and, 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 and God is telling Israel, you have a shameful past, Israel. I, I, I've redeemed you. I've, I've done all these things, but you know what? You haven't followed me. You haven't followed what I've told you to do. You haven't obeyed my voice. And now you find yourself in captivity. You find yourself in barrenness. The truth is, there are some times that our, our captivity and our barrenness, sometimes it's because of things we can't change. Maybe God is taking you through a season of wilderness because he's trying to work in your life and teach you some things. But there are times it is our own choices that get us there. And I don't know about you, every single one of us could raise our hand. Everyone, I'm not asking you to keep your hands down right. Don't even scratch your nose right now. You understand? But every single one of us could raise our hands and say there's something in our past that we are embarrassed to tell anybody about. There are things about our life that we don't want everybody to know. If right now I could hook up your brain to this screen right now and the thoughts going through your mind, we would not want those things because every single one of us have done things that we're embarrassed about, things we don't want everybody in the world to know. But here's what God tells Israel. Israel, I've got good news for you. Yes, you're in a place of brokenness and barrenness. Yes, your disobedience has led to you being in exile. But Israel, I have not forgotten about you. And yes, you're barren, but you need to sing because I'm going to bring forth so many 
many children from you that you can't even imagine. So enlarge your territory. And now the good news is forget the shame of your past. Forget the shame of your youth. And God sent me by just to say to you this morning, quit living like you're in that place back there. Quit living by that shame and that guilt that is from the devil and the devil alone. And today God wants to break the shame and the guilt off of your life where you don't think about those things. You don't live by those things any longer. But now you realize you have been set free in Christ and you don't have to live by the shame of your past anymore. The shame can be gone. The enemy lives in those dark places of shame and guilt because he wants to hang it over our heads. Well, listen, last time you blew it. Last time you messed up. Last time you couldn't do it. And we live with those shameful places in our life. And God looks at us and says, you don't have to live with the shame of your youth, of your past. But instead, I made you a new creation. I, I say that all the time here, but I, I've really been studying that more and more. And I don't think we understand the power of that. Think about that. A new creation means you're a new person. It's hard to see because when you accept Jesus and you accept what he's done, you go look in the mirror and you look the exact same way you did before. But you have to understand that spiritually you have been made alive with Christ. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. And even though naturally you still run into people and you still see people that remind you of your past, but here's the good news. You are not led by the natural anymore you are led by the spiritual and in the spirit you're a new creation God does not look at you by those things any longer he looks at you and he says I see a new person I see a redeemed person you don't have to live with shame and guilt any longer but you can be everything God has called you to be because in Christ you have been changed you have been transformed and you have been set free can you say amen this morning so God says, all these things have happened, but the good news is, I am doing something new in you. But the worship team come very quickly. Let me tell you what he says at the end. Everybody look right here. Look at what he says at the end. I'm going to mess with your theology a little bit, okay? At least it messed with mine. God says, in verse 16, look at this. God says, I created the blacksmith that blows coals in the fire. The blacksmith would create things. We have some people here at the church that do this kind of work, and they've created things for me. And the blacksmith can make weapons. In those days, they didn't have guns. They didn't have all. The blacksmith made knives and swords. The blacksmith made the weapon. And then, this will really mess with your theology. God says, I created the destroyer that will spoil things. God said that. I created the blacksmith and I created the destroyer. And you're thinking, Lord, it's kind of like a mosquito. I can't figure out why in the world he created those things. You understand? Some things I get. I don't get that one. I don't, God, why in the world? Now, I don't mean why would you create blacksmith, but his, my point is, why would you create this blacksmith you're telling us is creating weapons blowing coals in the putting coals in the fire blowing on the fire to get it hot and then creating a weapon that could kill us and why did you create a spoiler 
could destroy us. But here's what God says. Yes, those things are there. But Israel, I've got good news for you. Once again, you're under the tent. So we're part of that. Here's the good news. Those things may be there. And they serve a purpose. But my purpose in you is this. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up in judgment shall fail. You shall condemn. This is the heritage of those that know the Lord. And what God is saying is this. Yes, there are people that make weapons against you. And yes, Israel. Because guess what? Israel needed to be in exile. They needed that time. They thought they had it figured out. They thought they were good. They thought that that because of who they were, their name, everything was good. I'm Israel. I'm God's chosen people. And God says, even though I've called you Israel, if you can't follow me, I have created the blacksmith. And these people are going to come in. And the Babylon came in and took over Israel because of Israel's disobedience and God said I've even created the destroyer and the spoiler because you will not listen I've got to get your attention I'm creating this it'll come in but Israel here's the good news if you'll just follow me no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises up in other words those things are still there God never said the weapons would not be formed but he did say they will not prosper over your life. And the good news today is this. If you put your hope and your faith in Jesus, he's saying, I am your protector. I am with you. That no matter what you walk through, he tells in Jeremiah, God tells Israel, when you walk through the flames, they'll not burn you. When you walk through the water, it's not going to overtake you because I am your redeemer. I have called you by name. Child, you are mine. And today, no matter what you're going through, here's the good news. In the middle of brokenness and barrenness, you can sing a song of joy. I tell jokes, and I'm goofy. I know who I am. I'm fine with that. You can go, you can go hear a sophisticated preacher that can, you know, say all the right things at the right moment. Go, there's a bunch of those on, watch, on TV you can watch, okay? I'm my crazy self. Because I believe the church needs a little bit of joy. I believe we need some joy in the midst of the craziness of this world. And so in the midst of everything going on, we still can sing for joy. And then God says, enlarge your thinking. Enlarge your thoughts towards your family. God, God says, I can restore in ways you don't think I can restore. I can restore your life in ways you can't imagine. And then God says, you know what? You don't have to live with the shame of what you've carried any longer. Matter of fact, the good news is, even though all this stuff has happened, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And today, I just came with some good news. God loves you right where you're at. In the midst of everything you're going through, in the midst of everything you're facing, God loves you. He cares about you. He's not abandoned you. He's not done. Maybe you walked in and thought, I'll give church a try. I'll give it a chance. But honestly, if I'm honest, I've become a little cynical. I think God has abandoned me and God's done. And I got good news for you today. God is not finished with your life. And even though all these things have happened, the weapons that have been formed will not prosper. And you need to believe that over your life. You need to speak that over your life and over your family that even though all this has transpired, I don't live with shame and guilt. We're going to check shame in at the door. Okay? I walk in here with no shame and no guilt. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. When you're walking by the Spirit of God, you don't have to live in condemnation and shame. But instead, you can live a life full of the love of Jesus. 
And I want to end by just saying this to you this morning. God's inviting you to this relationship where he loves you. Listen, the church has gotten so far from what it should be. The church has gotten about entertainment and about let's have the best light. Look, nothing wrong with lights. We have people watching from all across the United States around the world today. And I'm glad we have technology. I'm glad they can see us. But the truth is when we put our hope in lights and smoke and mirrors and we put our hope in all these things, it's going to fade away. But what God is calling us to is an authentic relationship of just knowing Him, spending time in His presence, getting to know Jesus, whether it's riding down the road, listening to a song, and we begin to think about Him, whether it's on our phone, looking on our app and seeing the verse of the day, and we begin to read our Bible. All these things are realizing God is drawing you in. He loves you with this everlasting love. He loves you and He cares about you. And He just wants a relationship by that. I don't mean He just wants you to say a prayer so you go to heaven one day. He wants a daily relationship where you spend time with Him and you talk to Him and you open up His Word and He talks to you and you spend time together. And if we would get back to that, we would understand what it means to really be in relationship with Jesus. Listen, we've gotten so off, far off course. But let me tell you something. It is all about Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus. It's always been about Him. He is our prize. He is our reward. Would you stand up this morning?